I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. Our coverage ends here with Novak Djokovic winning his second Roland Garros title. He becomes just the third man ever, the first in the open era, to win all four majors at least twice. A five-set victory over Stefano Tsitsipas. He dropped the first two sets, uh, and he also becomes the first man to beat Rafa in Paris, one of the hardest things, the hardest thing to do in tennis, if we're being honest, uh, and then actually going on to uh, to win the trophy. For me, it's one of the finest runs in Novak Djokovic's career. Uh, Joel, what will you remember this entire run as it culminating in this final, uh, but just a, a special one for Novak, it seems? Just how incredible he played. The, the Dow match, he said, was one of his three best efforts ever in his career. Then this one coming from two sets to love down. In the finals, I mean, the, the statistical stuff is just endless. You could go on with all the things he's done. Now he's got 19 majors. He's halfway to the calendar slam, which no man has done since Rod Laver in 1969. And he's a strong favorite at Wimbledon, which we'll subsequently address in another show. But it just, I guess, I think I'll remember things like, okay, the Musetti match, down two sets to love. And Hanovic just turned that around. And the same thing today. I mean, he just um, finds his way to go about doing things. And we'll talk some more about how he just, uh, he's a super genius. I mean, he transcends some of the ways we think about the game. And that's what makes these guys so incredible. I think that I will remember that he beat Rafa, first and foremost, on clay. And that there were two separate matches in the latter part of the tournament where he came back down two sets. And a lot of people really think about age just in general, the way they view people. That's one of the first questions they have about players, about people in their lives. How old are you? And that today proved not to be the metric of most significance because he outlasted a guy who is 22 years old and he is 34 years old and he proved that there are things more important than age like your belief in yourself your confidence your experience and your skill set bingo it was uh, his 29th major final and it was stefano Tsitsipas's first and the mismatch was not fitness or endurance the mismatch seemed to be more than anything experience as you said well, we're seeing things in all sports. I mean, when I was growing up watching sports, 30 years old was considered the thing, and it remained that way. But I think we're seeing now in the world of sports, Tom Brady, others have proven that the whole different ways we've got to start looking at the duration of athletes. And Novak, 34 years old. I mean, he was fresh as a daisy. Look at these. These matches, I think there were a combined total of eight hours and 22 minutes, the last two matches he played. The Dow match, unbelievable. 
and he was fresher than Nadal at the end. And I think he was uh, fresher than Tsitsipas at the end of this match. Constant problem solving. And doesn't matter what the score is. Doesn't matter what the history is. You know, with Nadal, you know, Rafa had a huge run in the third set in Rome. Was up 5-0 in the first set in that semifinal. Had been, uh, it had been a 6-0 first set in the, the year prior in the final. Doesn't matter. Still looking to problem solve. And he, he found another uh, solution midway through this match after dropping the first two sets. I felt the key was uh, basically cutting out that forehand cross court unless it was absolutely necessary and only doing it if, if he could really hit it hard and, and well because Tsitsipas's forehand is as legit a shot as there is on the entire tour. And Novak just started peppering that backhand really, really well. A key, uh, key adjustment hitting about 10% more often down the line on the forehand for me. Amy, what, what did you think swung the match when Novak came storming back? I think in the first two sets, Tsitsipas was finding errors on the and opportunities for, you know, short ball putaways or or taking control of the point on the Djokovic forehand. And Novak started to shore that up. And of course his backhand is is impeccable and and great in terms of defense. And and that looked good for Novak in the first couple of sets. And then in the uh, closing three sets, Novak, his shot tolerance, his um, his defense, his um, court awareness really improved. And there just weren't those opportunities to come in to the net and dominate the point that Tsitsipas likes to do. I mean, I think in the first set, he was six of six on net points one. And then if you look at his totals in the other sets, I mean, four of six in the third, one of, of five in the fourth. So it just, um, he, Tsitsipas started playing Novak's game instead of vice versa. Well, I think what Novak does so well, and this is going to be his legacy, is really one of footwork and technique in the best possible ways and how they provide options. And I think of our three, they, the, the great players in any year, the super geniuses who win multiple majors, whether it's Pete Sampras or Bjorn Borg or Jimmy Connors or Rod Laver, they take it not just to a new level, they bring a new kind of genius. And like, so we've seen Federer has kind of taken shot making and brought new levels of it. Nadal has taken competitive intensity. Well, Novak, I just mean footwork, footwork gives you options. And so the tactical thing you pointed out, Gil, is Novak's ability to be, to arrive in the right place to do what he wants to do with the ball. So we saw on Friday, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I've arrived in the right place properly enough. Now I can hit to Nadal's backhand. But now I've arrived in the right place. I don't want to go to that corner for Tsitsipas. I need to go to his backhand to Tsitsipas' righty. So mm -hmm. Novak's ability to do that, to adjust, and do it so seamlessly. I mean, it's almost invisible technically. It, it's not as obvious. Like we've seen how Nadal, okay, Go with the inside-out foreign. Go with the down-the-line foreign, the off-foreign, the cross-court. It's very visceral and vivid with Nadal. With Novak, it's so it's subtle because it's so much from the ground up. And I think what we're seeing and, and what we see is how he's, he's kind of transcends offense and defense and how he applies pressure because he certainly does each. And we can talk about some moments when he did that. But it's just, uh, it's just remarkable testimony to how the brick-by-brick brick ways he's built his game, and then the artistry that comes with that, the shots he's able to hit. 
I want to hear a little bit more about how does he off how does he transcend offense and defense? Do you mean that he's uh, finding offense from defensive positions? Do you mean that it's it's almost a, a hybrid or he's putting pressure? What do you mean by that? I think it has to do with how we apply pressure, and I think there's a tendency. I, I like offense and defense, and it's certainly useful through many levels of the game. But I think there's a tendency to see it like a like a football game, like an American football game. My offense, I'm on defense. I'm on offense. How am I really applying pressure? And so this is the line I use. And I think if you go with me on this, the ancestor of Novak is Chris Everett. And the ancestor of that is sustained depth and balance. And it's someone, if someone hits the ball four inches inside your baseline once, wherever they are on the court, you think, oh, that, that's a shot. They do it twice. Oh, they're kind of steady. I guess they're playing some good defense because they're not hurting me. Are they hurting me with this second ball that's four inches inside the baseline? But the third, wait a second, what's offense and what's defense? By the fourth, you ask if you have the right to an attorney. And, and I think Tsitsipas, like you said, Amy, how Tsitsipas wasn't uh, playing his game. Yeah, Novak, don't you feel that Novak kind of boxes the opponents into a corner eventually? Like, how many winners do I have to hit? How many big shots do I have to hit against this guy? Yeah, and I think um, when I watched the first set, I was a little bit worried that Tsitsipas was getting a lot of uh, free points off of serve. Uh, he had seven aces in the first set, and then he had seven aces the rest of the match. And not just aces, but he was um, taking control of the point with his serve in the first set. And I thought, against the greatest returner in the game right now, this ain't going to last. And they watered the courts, too. Um, I think they watered the courts maybe after the third, and then again maybe going into the fifth. That's going to slow stuff down, disadvantage the big server. And um, I knew that, you know, Novak would would find the return. And uh, he sure did. He made so many great returns in this match. And it's not right. And it's not just it's not just defense. It's the application of pressure. It's depth. It's accuracy. It's placements. All those ways he kept uh, hitting to the backhand, altering the direction of his forehand. So it's not. It's, yeah. it's so, it's so subtle, but I could see, you could see, you could see why he's such a great five set player because mm -hmm. it's not, you, yeah. you have to go so big against, you have to come up with these shots. And I think, for example, I think uh, that's the dilemma that Federer has versus Novak. Big shots, lots and lots of big shots. Off of, off of unattackable balls. That's off right. Of balls that are, are deep and, and strong and really difficult to attack. Uh, the return for Tsitsipas, I think it's survival. It's a survival shot. It's a let me get this back in play, and hopefully I end up in a neutral position. For Djokovic, the return is not always survival. Maybe if he needs to stretch out you know, into a corner, then, then maybe. But if, it's, if you miss your spot at all, and, or if it's a second serve return for Novak, it's more than survival. It's pressure. It's instant pressure off of that ball. And that's a big difference between the two, I thought, in just how much how much uh, pressure Tsitsipas was sometimes on um, right off of Djokovic's deep return, return to the backhand. Stefanos doesn't have that return. It's just a, I hope to get this back in a, in a way that's going to at least allow me to maybe defend and get back in the point, maybe get to neutral, but not a lot of pressure off of the Tsitsipas return. Uh, no, unless he has a chance to kind of really do something with a forehand. 
Like there, I yeah. saw several, there's several points of this where um, Novak hit the return to the backhand. Yeah. And the return did nothing. And, and you gotta, you gotta look at these things, the serve game and the return game and the return. And, and you see how well Novak managed his serve games too. I mean, yeah, he's such a, such a safe cracker. You know, you're so right about the problem solving. I think, I think of our three, he's the most problem solved focused because of the range. And in an odd way, you could see through this tournament what a complete player he is in his version. How do we define complete and what that really means? And I know historically we think of, well, it's Roger, it's the one-hander, it's the volleys. Yeah, that's a form of complete in some ways too, but there's something incredibly comprehensive about the way Djokovic is winning these titles. There were at least three occasions where Tsitsipas put the racket down and did not reco recover properly and the ball caught the line unexpectedly or stayed in and he ended up losing the point and as a player that can be really demoralizing because you're rough on yourself um, but then to repeat that mistake you know three times or, or two more times um, that's devastating i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I think Novak with his backhand defense and his ability to be in a defensive position and then get it away from the CT pass weapon, which I, I, in a way I do feel a little bit like, uh, like I'm repeating myself from the Nadal match and, and some of the things that Djokovic did so well against Rafa, but now it's a righty instead of a lefty, which means the shots themselves are actually different, but it, it kind of goes back to completeness and having every shot and having no holes in the baseline game, because there is not a shot from the baseline that, that Novak does not excel in. And we saw like, Tsitsipas' backhand, if you can get him to defend that corner, it's that's a bigger hole than Novak has in his baseline game right there, right? You can go thought, to Novak, right? Well, I thought Tsitsipas, sorry to interrupt, I thought Tsitsipas okay. um, hit the drive backhand pretty well. Um, it's, it's not an offensive weapon. I mean, I, I think he hit a couple down the line for winner, but typically it's his shield. Um, but, and I thought it was a good shield for the most part, but what he really doesn't have is a good slice to mix things up on that wing. And that's the piece that some of the greats that have a one-handed backhand do have. So he doesn't have it right now. You know, he, he could add that piece later for sure. I mean, our three have added multiple things to their games and evolved over the years. Um, but I think that really hurt him. Yeah, well, his backhand, he and a little off balance. And again, Novak, Novak's like a dentist. He's going to find that little cavity, that little fissure, and mm -hmm. he's going to peck away at it. And so Tsitsipas just couldn't, his backhand, yeah, he's driving it. And of course, when he can do offense with it, that's pretty powerful. But from a position behind the court, so what's he hitting there? He's hitting a, he's hitting a flat shot that's about 70% as forceful as a forehand. And so Novak will take that math all day. He'll take that. Well, 
today to do something. And then I think it forced Stefanos to then, when he had forehands, to go for more. You could see in the third and fourth set, he was trying to hit the forehand bigger, and he was starting to misfire on them. And so the whole thing fell a little out of whack. I thought, I thought in some ways the match was decided in the fourth set. I, I, I doubted Novak was going to lose that match in straight sets. He knew he was going to make a go in the third. But the fourth, the fourth, I mean, and I was talking, you know, I've spoken throughout this tournament about the, the compelling nature of the fourth set. Just kind of vanished. Yeah. I thought I thought the match was decided in the fifth set um, because keeping in mind that Stefanos had, um, you know, come back against Zverev and won the fifth set, I thought eh, it's going to be decided right here. And he fought hard. He fought admirably in that set. But Novak has so much experience in this situation that it, it was just, um, it was impeccable, his play in the fifth set. There's a great point. Uh, Novak serving at 4-3-15 love. And Tsitsipas comes in deep into the back end corner. Novak throws up uh, this great lob. And, but you see, an on-balance defensive lob. You know, he was still, he was, mm -hmm. for, no, that's, the great, that's the great thing about Novak. Even when he seems as off-balance as you try to get him, he's still pretty darn good on the balance. And I think that allows him to stay in so many points. And it also allows him to play these long matches because his, his body doesn't betray him the way, the way someone else, the way I think in a way, I, I got to hate to say this because I so admire him, the way Nadal, you could see by that fourth set on Friday how, how physically worn out Nadal was from his serve the, to his forehand. Well, the, the defense in the one-all game in the fifth set, which is what broke the camel, you know, I, I, I almost said no pun intended, pun intended, broke the camel's back. That was the break of serve. It was a, a, an impeccable game by Novak. If you just look at it point by point, there's a lot of those points where you, you say, okay, Tsitsipas hit a bunch of good shots in that rally. He did a lot of things right. He, he missed a ton of first serves. Don't get me wrong. But then from there, you know, there were some amazing Djokovic returning to the backhand, uh, defending with the backhand, the lob, as you mentioned, Joel, uh, beautiful depth on the break point add out uh, so much, so much that, that Novak did incredibly well in that game where Tsitsipas, besides missing all the first serves, there, there can't be that much that, that he can possibly regret. But the, the flow of the match was strange, so I kind of want to ask about that. What did you make of Novak playing, a, first of all, playing a, a really bad service game in the first set when he tried to serve it out, uh, and then really having a, a, a long lull in the second set to, to go down two sets to love? Let's, because, you know, as much as there was success in the latter three sets by Novak, you know, there was also that, that point where it was looking very, wow, this is kind of surprisingly flat from Djokovic. He spoke about the tumble he took in the first set. He talked about that in his press conference. He said how, uh, while it didn't really hurt him physically, it kind of had an, an energy impact, messes up your rhythm, tempo on the serve. So maybe that's part of it. But uh, yeah, that second set was a little, a lot of these sets were strange that way. It's almost like the dramatic sets were the first and to some degree the fifth because it was the decisive set, though in other ways not. I don't know. What did you think, Amy, of that second set? I thought that um, there was, you know, I, in the first set, uh, Stefanos was called for a time violation. And what they were saying to the chair umpire during the changeover was, 
because of the way Chatrier is, it takes a long time to get to the towel and they were needing to towel off. And she was, if she was going to call the entire match being a, a stickler with the uh, serve clock, then this might be an issue. And you saw um, Novak using his shirt as a towel in the first set. And, you know, with his eyes, I think um, maybe his eyes were bothering him. I don't know if it was with sweat or what it was. Um, he let that get to him. He, he let that issue kind of play with him and then he had to dig himself out of it like all the great mental um giants of the sport do and he got himself out of it he he had to just it was just within himself i'm going to calm myself down and work my way back you know the towel i tweeted in the middle it reminded me of there are two players in the 70s and other stuff uh dick stockton and sandy mayor they had the towel in the shorts that was once long <laughs> before you were alive gil some players would do that. And then a, a player I know wrote how that was, uh, you know, the, the game's changed a little bit. It's a little different game now. So people, the, the talking, but I wonder, I wonder of, of any player of the three, I think is likely to figure out the, the, the towel in the shorts that could work. Maybe you invent a new product. Maybe, you know, it's, it's not going to fall out. That's going to be there. If anyone could do that, it'd be Novak. He's the one I think would be yeah. most likely to come up with that kind of solution. I do think we've we've reached a bit of a breaking point with like the elite level of tennis at, that we've seen at Roland Garros with no ball people on a clay court where the rallies are longer. It just seemed like whatever was going on and no, no ball boys to give the towels, whatever was going on here it needs to change. It, it was clearly a burden on the players to try to, to serve before the serve clock, just all in all. So maybe it's five more seconds or maybe it's when it starts. Or I think it's got to be stuff with time clocks before it's stuff with kids touching towels. Because the towel stuff, even before the pandemic, was being in, in question anyway, where I, yes. I, I don't have to ball boy and carry your towel, thank you, and, ca and carry your sweat. And As someone going after it for every, some of these players who go, go to after every point, and that's not exactly keeping the match moving. So there's got to be some way to, to figure this out. And, I, and believe me, I'm sure. The PTPA, maybe that's a good thing for uh, Novak and those guys to figure out. That's fair, Joel. I, I will say, as a as a former ball boy, and um, also Blair Henley did a story on this for Tennis.com earlier. You know, ball people don't mind um, for the most part. It's the people watching who who seem to be offended by uh -huh. it a little bit more than the people who are actually doing it. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that in in general terms, but I I do feel like ball people. Maybe you should form the um, the BTPA. The ball boy, the ball boy players association. <laughs> see what they all think and survey what they want. If they think of their work conditions, maybe get a little raise on the per diem too. Yeah, I would. That's much needed. You know, there are too many, too many tournaments around the world where the ball people aren't being paid. No, I'm joking. Well, there um, were several. There were several points in this tournament where even one of Novak's match matches, maybe against, maybe it's the one against Rafa where he was having to question which towel was his. Now I've seen this. Can't we color code the towels? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something, as I know. I, I know. mean, it seems like a simple fix. Yeah, there's some simple logistical things that go on that way. Well, on the, we while the, on the part, I wanna add, I wanna let people know the the kid who Novak gave the racket to at the yeah. end of the match, yeah. Novak said was cheering for him during the match. He said he was not just cheering, but he's in my ear 
the entire match, especially when I was two sets of love down, he was encouraging me. He was actually giving me tactics as well. Novak is laughing when he said, hold your serve, get an easy fall, then dictate, go to his backhands. Uh, so, so we have a future coach. So it'd be interesting to see what, what, he, what he can do. That's good to know. And of course he was elated to get Novak's racket I mean, for the next 70 years. Nice. Very nice. It was super awesome. I, I loved that. That was a, a great thing after the match. Um, let's get to uh, let's talk about Novak's drop shot. He did save a set point in the third set in the semifinal with the drop shot. And in this match, it was uh, absolutely mechanical and uh, or, or clinically good. Um, let me just get the uh, the full stats here on Novak's drop shot. I thought it was a major factor, and we saw kind of Tsitsipas's court position is uh, very modern, I'd say, in the sense that, you know, he's, he's in a place far, very deep in the court where he's able to attack and defend with his strength and his heaviness of shot. But Novak hits 27 drop shots in this one, and 10 of them are outright winners, and he only misses one of them. Another 10, the rallies are continued, and he forces two errors. So the stats are 12 of them wins the point outright. Another 10 of them, he might have won, he might have lost, the rally continued. One of them he missed. That's just incredible execution, efficiency. How do you hit that many without missing some? Yeah, I, I thought it might be a factor in this match. And um, he got it going. And I know a lot of his fans, they go crazy with this shot. Because when he's missing, they, they are just pulling his their hair out. But if you look at the stats on balance, it really is an effective shot on clay. And he uses it well. Well, it fits well for his game because I think he's not, it's not like he's uh, just going to be a forthright, always attack volley guy. So it's a way for him to spread the dimensions of the court. And he, he creates so much depth, so much depth. You've got to be on such vigilance back at the baseline for him. And then he made a, a number of great retrievals off of drops and some, some recarves with his own backhands. I mean, very, uh, really impressive in the forward part of the court. I think he's understanding more and more what his, front court game is what his deal in there is it's different it's different than someone like Federer who takes a short forehand and he gets to net whereas no Novak doesn't always like doing that yeah he's, he's been very inventive um with with his volleys and his drop shots and the cat mouse points were great I thought Tsitsipas did a nice job with him as well you yes. know considering he's he's at a disadvantage he's not as good as Novak there but I thought he, he fought hard there um overall takeaways Novak's clay season um, and honestly, 2021, let's just do 2021, two majors down, two victories for Novak Djokovic. We talked a lot about the serve in Australia. I thought it was a lot about the forehand here. I think that we're starting to see the next dimension of Novak's game um, offensively. I, it doesn't seem like he's his body is aging too much. But my, my biggest takeaway from the clay court season is he figured things out with his forehand and really made it a, a wep the weapon that it needed him to be. Um, over these last couple matches, especially. Well, this is where he of our three is the one most equipped for sustained results at all the majors moving forward between the lesser miles on his odometer and the skill set overall. Whereas we think, like we were talking the other day, Rafa, oh, the French. So 12 months till your best, most chance to win another major, even though, of course, he's a contender at all the others. And that was one Wimbledon in the U.S. Open. But he needs more help there. 
Same with Roger. Wimbledon. And, okay, we don't know about the other major. But Novak is just, the beat goes on. I mean, he's just, he's, to me, he's this, the odds-on favorite at Wimbledon. I'm not saying he's going to win it without losing a set. But the person who needs to beat him there has to be playing A-plus-plus tennis to beat him. He peaked at the right time, didn't he? He managed his clay court season to perfection. Yeah, he loses to Rafa at Rome, but then he beats him where it really counts for him uh, at Roland Garros. And he is just the master of managing his season to peak at the right time during the Grand Slams. And uh, he's on a tear right now. Um, I, I cannot wait to see what he does at Wimbledon. Grand Slam, uh, you know, Grand Slam is is uh, in play here with uh, half of it gone. Uh, this is his 19th major title. He's now one away from a three-way tie. Things are really heating up here with our three. And we've really enjoyed bringing you this round-by-round -round coverage. It's been huge uh, to feel your support throughout it. We thank you for uh, watching along the way. And that'll do it for this episode of Three. Remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. We're available on all of those platforms. Like and comment on YouTube. And we will see you next time on the next episode of Three.